Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? Uh, I am coming to you from New York City, which is so exciting. We are here to do our uh, Crashing Comedy Tour, which by the time you hear this will have already happened in Philly and New York. But we are still coming to uh, Los Angeles on February 18th and San Francisco on February 22nd. Uh, Those tickets are still available, I think. Almost sold out, but still available at PeteHolmes.com. It's me, Artie Lang, and Judd Apatow. It's amazing. It's been so fun so far. And special guests as well on all of those shows. So I hope you can make that out. This one right here is uh, is Artie Lang and Judd. So it's kind of like a little sampling. But uh, it's a very, you know, in-depth and personal and emotional conversation. I do apologize that we recorded it in a uh, restaurant. We were eating sushi, which I joked afterwards. If you're going to eat during a podcast, at least eat sushi. This is what we should be eating in rest- uh, in movie theaters. <laughs> Because popcorn is so much uh, louder. It's a, it's a soft food. It's a quiet food. But you may hear waiters. You may hear some of the other people at the table. But we've been doing so much back-to-back press that the only time we could do this uh, special episode was during a meal. So I do apologize for that. But it should sound pretty good. We did clean it up a bit for you guys. And I do want to say that at one point, it's actually one of the most lovely and touching things I've ever seen. Artie gets a little bit emotional. And I want you to know that he is good. That we were checking in with him immediately. Uh, he kind of excuses himself, you'll hear. Um, but we're, someone was immediately going after him, texting him, calling him. And then I called him the second we finished recording. And he actually sounded good. He sounded like he had released something and he was feeling better. And he actually told me that he's very excited to get this recording out into the world. And he's he, even the people that he's talking about when he gets emotional, he's like, I can't wait for them to hear it because it means so much to share that with the world. So Judd and I kind of take the last bit of the podcast uh, to ourselves, but just know uh, we were keeping an eye on Artie as well um, and making sure he was good, and he is, and I've seen him since, and and as I said, he can't wait for this to come out there and for you guys to hear it. So a couple plugs. The reason why it's Judd and Artie is we're trying to get people aware of Crashing, our show on HBO. It premieres this Sunday. That's why we're putting this out on Monday instead of Wednesday, trying to get as many uh, ears on the idea that we're coming out this Sunday, February 19th at 10.30 on HBO. I hope you can watch it and that you love it. Also, uh, the other tour date I have is Grand Rapids in March for Gilda's Laugh Fest. It's going to be a Pete Holmes and Friends show. Uh, That's also PeteHolmes.com, as well as all the t-shirts that we've ever made for the show, including the new t-shirt, I'm a Lovable, Fuckable Human Being from the Andy Richter episode is available at store.petehomes.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Uh, We're just into 2017, and I know that many of you have probably resolved to take on a new challenge, whether it's like starting a business or changing a career or launching some sort of creative project. Whatever your next move might be, Squarespace is there to help you tackle it. If you just need a simple website like a landing page or a blog or an online store, Squarespace allows you to create a custom platform where you can make your latest goals into a reality. So please, start your trial today. Show your support of this podcast. Go to squarespace.com and enter offer code WEIRD for 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, make your next move. 
I always love, as you guys know, to shout out to a couple Pete's Picks. These are products that have personally changed my life for the better. The first, as you know, is Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil. This product is an absolute game changer. In fact, as we're doing the tour, Judd and I both... Oh, God, this fucking ginger! (laughs) God! Damn it! I've been enjoying it so much, whether I'm on a, in a different time zone and need to relax and to rest, or on the plane if I'm getting uncomfortable in my seat, or if I'm just feeling like a little bit out of sorts. Whatever it is, headaches, backaches, this stuff is just my go-to uh, happy glow potion. I know it sounds kind of vague. You can always check it out at cwhemp.com and read about the science behind it. It's made out of hemp, but it's not marijuana in the sense that it's not uh, the psychoactive component. So there's no stoned feeling or high feeling. It's basically just the CBD part, which is just that kind of body glow feeling. So it's completely functional, makes you feel good, but you can read, you can hold a conversation, do a show, follow the plot of a complicated movie. So there's no cloudiness. It's just a good, calm, happy glow. Causes me to drink less, causes me to laugh a little quicker. Um, I feel looser in my body. I just love it. So, you can get 10% off if you go to cwhemp.com slash weird and use promo code YOUMADEITWEIRD. That's 10% off at cwhemp.com. The other Pete's pick this week is Alpha Brain, my other favorite supplement that I always, I mean, I take this stuff every single day. It is a nootropic, as it, that's why it's called Alpha Brain, which means it's like a vitamin for your brain, and I swear by it. Especially when we're traveling, we've been doing... Uh, Late night shows, I was just on Colbert, and in the morning, I got up and did a a morning show. Like, it's been insane, and in those uh, times of trial and stress when you really need to be able to think clearly and speak clearly and do shows and write and interviews, I swear by Alpha Brain. I always have some in my pocket. I even keep some for other people in case they need a little boost, but not in a stimulant way. It's not like coffee. In fact, I take it before I go to sleep because it gives me amazing dreams. Uh, I take it before I meditate. If I ever go in like a sensory deprivation tank, this is the stuff that you want, but it's not going to like keep you awake or give you any sort of jitter. It's amazing. The past four years, I haven't done a podcast, a stand-up show, written a script, anything like that without it. So I really want you to try it because I know you'll probably love it. If you're like me, you're going to shit your pants. So (laughs) go to onnit, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash weird, and you'll automatically get 10% off your alpha brain purchase so check that out that's it please come out and see us in la or san fran watch crashing with the wonderful Artie lang and judd apatow behind the camera february 19th at 10 30 and thank you again to squarespace val do you want to help me bring squarespace home sure <laughs> she's been next to me this whole time <laughs> who knows what you're doing but you probably need a square uh, a website which means you need squarespace yeah <laughs> <laughs> But what if I only need, like, a simple landing page? You should still go to Squarespace for that. But I just need a blog. Okay, but just go to Squarespace. This is what commercials were in the 1930s. It's what they still are on the radio. I have a Squarespace. You do? Yeah, but it's it's under construction. (laughs) You mean you're working on it? Well, I'm not working on it, but it's under construction. (laughs) This is... 
very vague. <laughs> yeah. But the point is, no matter how simple the site is or how elegant and beautiful you want to make it, Squarespace has your back. They offer a unique domain experience that is fully transparent and simple to set up. It's easy to use. You can arrange all of your content and your features with the click of a mouse. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. But if you do have questions, you can always go to their award-winning 24-7 customer support for help, no matter how small or simple or stupid feeling you may be. They will help you with your problems. So start your trial today at squarespace.com and enter offer code WEIRD to get 10% off. 10% off! Squarespace! 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 Is it a square or a space? It's a space, it's a square. All squares are spaces. But not all spaces are squares. Squarespace.com slash... Oh, no, offer code weird. 10% off. <laughs> it's not slash weird. Squarespace, make your next move. It's 2017. Make your next website. All right, guys, enjoy a very... <laughs> it's like an after-school special. Enjoy a very special episode with my friend Artie Lang and the incredible Judd Apatow. Get, get into it. Get into it. Get into it. Get it. Get into it. <laughs> Well, this is a, a very special podcast. I don't know the name of this restaurant, but we're eating. We're eating with Artie <laughs> Marimoto. Is that what it is, Marimoto? We ate. Uh, we ate sushi for lunch, and it was called Kabuki. And both Valerie and I thought it was Bukaki. Like we were like, "How could you call a restaurant Kabuki? That means coming on a face." Does it really? No, Bukaki does. Oh. But we confuse the two. <laughs> They still did come on our face at the end. It was it was very refreshing. It was like the opposite of a hot towel. Um, but we're in a better restaurant than that. So you may hear us eating and drinking. Yeah, and that's fine. Uh, uh, do you, you drink uh, sake? Do you ever drink that? I love. That's my favorite thing to drink. Oh, okay. Yeah, that gets you. That's like a narcotic. Yeah, no, I know. It almost makes you feel stoned or something. It's very yeah, it's chill, very, uh, violent. Very <laughs> really violent. I thought that was Jaeger. Isn't Jaegermeister? Tequila too. I mean, people get yeah. That, you know. People get tattoos on tequila as well. Right. That's like a big problem. I think it's just assholes and it amplifies it. Yeah. It gives you the excuse. <laughs> right. They should Don, Don Julio, big excuse guy. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Everything Bill Cosby did now is like you just you just think like there's down upon. He had that thing about cocaine. It, oh yeah, yeah. His bit about cocaine was, uh, you know, he because he, he was just so. It high accentuates and, your personality, right? But what if you're an asshole? That's yeah. So, well, but he was just so high and mighty about everything. Like everything was condescending. Well, he had an anti. You shouldn't do cocaine. He had the anti pot bit too. Someone's like, yeah. hey man, pass that over. How about the pro Spanish fly bit? Yeah, oh, right, I know. Right, right, right. I have that record. That does seem weird. I he has a lot of bits that are crazy. Yeah. If you go through his records now, he's like, you ever like video you know, dead battles? You hit the white. It's crazy. Really? Where was that episode of The Cosby Show? Uh, this episode of The Cosby Show wasn't filmed in front of a live studio audience. People I, uh, left. I worked up. Uh, my, my cousin was an electrician, a union electrician, and every once in a while I'd help him out. And in 1991, we worked on Cosby's townhouse, Madison Ave. No way. On East 71st, between Madison and Fifth. And, uh, you know, I was an aspiring. The Cosby comedian. bus tour goes by there still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, listen, uh, he, he was pretty open about where he lived. He, El McPherson lived right next door. And I said, when are we going to wire that place up? Uh, from what I hear, she was fun. Uh, uh, and uh, <laughs> I can't say who Wait, didn't away. you tell me a story that, like, Norm McDonald? I can't say who I heard that from. Okay. 
<laughs> it's fun knowing Artie in real life. <laughs> you get yeah, you get even I, better I, I stories. Norm Day Right. Yeah. There you go. But here's the thing. I think the fact that Norm David Elman Pearson makes everything I ever do in film true. <laughs> That's right. Whenever anybody says, like, that guy should never get that girl, I just go, Norm was with Yeah. Uh, L, uh, L. McPherson over here. Yeah. Give me a blowjob. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> That's true. That's speculation. Is there a problem? That, that sounds not really not like her. <laughs> well, don't kill the flow. Do it in the flow. Yeah, to keep it in the flow. This is Jimmy Artec. It's a tricky. It's a tricky. Oh shit! I hope before the L McPherson thing. We'll tell the L McPherson thing while while Jimmy uh, kindly fixes Jed's mic. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, no, no, no! I didn't mean tell it's the story. Really, you can yeah, tell. Dirty. It's dirty. Well, step outside. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's actually like I don't know. So what's the Bill Cosby story? Yeah, so yeah. Like tell a, the, the one you wanted to tell. Was, uh, you know, we uh, we were sort of working at his house at his townhouse. And um, Zip dip. Uh, Anderson, the kid, the kid Anderson, who, who died, was a real nice guy, but he um. we weren't allowed to make noise near his room. And uh, one day, Mrs. Cosby came home, and she was very, <laughs> she was upset. There was two hundred thousand dollar tile that they put in the, um, in the in the in the bathroom, and uh, she didn't like the color. And it was all installed already. That the masons were done. And uh, it, it, she got on the phone with, we were told, with, with Bill Cosby. And she was, in retrospect, she was yelling at him as if he owed her a favor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, it was really like, stuff like after what you did, everything like, in the, oh, me and my cousin, like everything in hindsight is, makes sense. And they took a sledgehammer. To this, to this beautiful Italian no. this guy took a sledgehammer. Some guy Bam. in Napoli was like, I don't know why, but my spine is burning like fire. <laughs> he was so upset uh, yeah, at his masterpiece. I mean, it was, even I was like, whoa, my God. What like, is the payback to Camille for tolerating his madness? I think she's the one. Like That's well, the really Shakespearean part of this is Camille somehow look finding other, a way to be okay with it. Yeah, look at the other way. It's just very like, you know, like the, the like Sandusky's wife or something. Like she yeah. claimed to be 10 feet away in the kitchen cooking. And not yeah. Any, well, this kid's screaming. We were just talking about this the other day. Like, do you think Jay-Z cheated on Beyonce? Yeah. I, I get the... I, <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you, but I get the, the feeling. Uh, well, wow! Oh, <laughs> started at the bottom. Started at the bottom. Now you're there. Oh, that's another <laughs> blowjob joke. Uh, the idea that these people are fucking everybody. Right. Like, do you think Obama fucked around? He's the leader oh, I don't of the free world. That. That's a little too high profile. I don't know. What I'm saying is, if scumbag comedians that I know are yeah. having like w- w- anonymous orgies and stuff, like, don't you think these social elite aren't as clean as maybe they seem? Uh, absolutely, I think you. Know, yeah. we were, How I, dare I, you talk about Obama? Like that? <laughs> <laughs> How dare I, of course, he didn't. <laughs> Gosh, their magic! Stop ruining our magic. The, uh, we have nothing left in this country. Can we just keep uh, that? You special? that great thing about the drone strikes, though. As much as we love Obama, you know, doing layups with do. the Lakers and stuff. That morning, he was like, oh, "I'll send it here and I'll here." <laughs> I think that's the craziest thing about being the president is that they're doing drone strikes every day. That right now, every morning, Trump gets up and they go, "Do you want to drop a bomb here?" Do you want to drop them on there? Well, and, 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 and that he's the guy in that conversation. Well, what Snowden, said, what Snowden says in that documentary is about the uh, where he worked. They all had that security clearance. At any moment, there was just countless drones all over the country. There was what? Countless drones all over the country outside homes. 
Yeah. Uh, and you could just click on anyone you wanted if you were an employee with the status he had and just watch any of these. Oh, that was in the Snowden movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 he, that to uh, me no. is crazy too. You know? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I stopped drinking in front of people. <laughs> Not a fan of Artie Lang. Yeah. Is what we just you haven't out. read Too Fat to Fish? <laughs> no, you're I'm okay. Right. Yeah, I, no, I don't or, need any. Or maybe uh-huh. he's a great fan. <laughs> <laughs> the waiter just poured Artie some sake, which is his job, uh, but Artie does not booze anymore. <laughs> and that was why I did the very dad, uh, no, <laughs> like Chandler on Friends all of a sudden. That reminds that, that remind me of a... Uh... It, I, I was a pretty good baseball player in high school, and the American Legion coach was this guy named Sal Krakow. Uh, not Krakow, Krakow. <laughs> that would have been a bad name. Sal Auschwitz. Kra- right. <laughs> <laughs> Krakow. Yeah, Krakow was his name. Uh, Italian guy with a huge ass. And uh, I don't know where they got the pants for him. But we, uh, <laughs> I would uh, get drunk and drive At on Filene's the- solution? It's a bad <laughs> joke. Only Sam's going to get it. I final, get final solution, yeah. Filene. Okay. <laughs> what is that? that? A toilet department? Yeah, Filene's. Oh, okay. It's an East Coast thing. I'm sorry, I interrupted with a. <laughs> I uh, I would get drunk and uh, go on hoods of cars, like and, uh, they would try to see like like a stunt man, like in Bullet, and see if they could throw me and my buddy Danny off. Oh my god! So uh, I drove by the field. We had a big game. And, uh, <laughs> I drove by the field in my uniform, and the coach saw me. And uh, on the hood of the car, yeah, Jackie Chan. So he went up to my buddy Paul Cefeli and very casually said, "Paul, hey." Well, you're playing third tonight. I just saw Artie drive by the hood of a car. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So people have been annoyed with my behavior uh, a lot. But, uh, yeah, we used to do that as a joke. Get drunk and see if you could do a Steve McQueen. You get no thrown off the, way. Yeah. And you never got hurt? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Massive head injuries. <laughs> I was just going to say, those are the magical times. You grew up in Jersey. Yes, yes. Union, New Jersey. And that's how I picture it. I picture kids stealing buses and well, no consequences. I, you know, it's funny. I have this story. Uh, I, I was afraid to tell a story on Howard um, because the, the two kids were still alive. They just died. And I was really afraid of these two kids. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, their names were uh, uh, Frank and Dean Del Vecchio. Oh, I know the and, Del Vecchio. Uh, <laughs> I, if they're related to these kids, uh, you know, uh, I'd like to meet them. Uh, so there was a place called Two Guys Department Store in the early 80s, and we used to steal everything out of there. It, 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 there was no security <laughs> at all. And uh, we would put, like, you know, stuff like, you know, like Bowery Boy stuff, put a bat down your leg and then like, walk out with a limp. Like, well, no way. The security guard should have been working at White Castle. He's an old guy with a daily news and. <laughs> Big, you know, but White not. Castle burgers are the easiest to steal. You need a pro on those doors. Well, I mean, that was a level. It was security at White Castle. I, I, yes, I understand. So uh, we, we would we were in there once. They had a camping department right outside of Newark, like inner city. There's camping. They had everything. And uh, my bu- Frankie Del Vecchio says to me and his brother, he goes, um, "I'm going to steal that canoe." And uh, it was a big canoe on the, big canoe on the wall. Oh. And I go, how are you going to do that? He goes, well, think about it. It's perfect. Who, who steals a canoe? <laughs> uh, you just walk out of the store with it confidently. That, you, there's always one way ahead of me. <laughs> In every heist movie, there's one hothead. Yeah. That was the, the DeBecchios. I guess. <laughs> That's who but it they, was. they were like tame compared to some of the kids. But yeah, he, this kid was like, okay. Because he wanted to be. He would say like in... When, in school, they asked him what he wanted to be. He wanted to be a good criminal. <laughs> That's what he would say. Oh, my like God. Like his father. And uh, oh so 
he, he said exactly what you just said, yeah. obviously. Uh, smart people get way ahead of this. Uh, he said, I'll, I'll just take it off and walk out. This, it, no one steals a canoe. Yeah. Think I, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he goes up. Now, he had that, uh, <laughs> he had that permanent pot smoking laugh uh, with that, like, ha, ha, ha. He's still me, bro. <laughs> well, like, Sean Penn still has it. When he's talking, like, about, uh, uh, Cuba, he's like, he lapses into Spicoli. He's like, hey, we gotta stop. Oh, oh. That's exactly how. That's so funny. I so, have friends with the rich laugh, which is <laughs> rich, rich guy laugh. New, uh, the way you laugh at a New York cartoon. Little condescending. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so he takes the canoe, like you said, he was gonna right off the wall, like he owned the place, and put it on his head and walked out. And uh, as we're behind him, we he's like laughing, and the canoe's going up and down. He's like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and uh, we're giggling. Sure enough, he goes right by the security guard, and the guy goes, "Hey, catch a fish for me!" He's like, "All right, buddy, thanks." And he just no. walks away. And uh, he got further away from the parking lot. Now he's really like laughing hard. So he goes, "Oh, oh. <laughs> it was really funny." So okay, the next day I wake up, and my buddy Mike calls me and says, "Did you hear about uh, Frank Bill?" I said, no. He goes, uh, he got arrested. I said, oh, my God. And he had a bad like, record. Uh, he was going to look at the time, maybe. And I go, what happened? How, did they find out about the canoe? He got caught the next day trying to steal the oars. <laughs> okay? Oh, my <laughs> God. Right. Already? He walks out. He walks, he, there's a, they weren't big enough. We, they we weren't big enough. Sell, <laughs> we used to sell like stutters to this, this fence guy who bought stolen goods, and he brought a guy in the inner city fence a canoe. And the guy said, what the fuck am I going to do with a canoe? He said, if you get the oars, I'll give you 80 bucks for it. So he went back by himself. He, got, he gets caught by the guard. And the guy goes, Mr. Oh. Catch a Fish for me? Yeah, the guy goes, <laughs> he goes, he sees the oars. He goes, did you take the canoe? And uh, and he got six months in juvie hall for doing this. This first time he was ever ironic or funny. He goes, "Yeah, Columbo," <laughs> and the guy got mad at him, and he got six months for stealing. Oh, oh my and, uh, We used to switch the price tags at uh, this sporting goods store. So we would go in, we'd get like a racquetball racket that cost $200. We would buy it for $18. And they wouldn't catch that, that they, markdown. They, they never caught the markdown. <laughs> and then we would return it for $200, and then we bought skis wow. with the credit. At least you wow. kept it in the store. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're just glad for the business. Look, we know what you're doing, yeah. but thanks for the foot traffic. <laughs> Nothing draws the, a crowd like a crowd. Yeah. <laughs> we thought we were geniuses. It's such a Jewish that move a to get credit. <laughs> yeah. And we got the credit. You've never <laughs> you've never been so happy. That's the real crime. We yeah. got the credit. I used to run a ski. I'm sorry. I was yeah. at Bennigan's. We had these. I've told this before, so I'll keep it brief. The, the coupons in the newspaper for $5 off, and the managers would never tear them up or mark them in any way. Right. So you just put them on any time someone p- paid oh, cash. Wow. You said, and they had they left this with the bill. They dropped $5 off. Suddenly you're making, you know, way, you're making twice as much. So I was like, oh, it's a victimless crime. It's fucking Bennigan's big business. Who cares? I don't know. I was very Christian and pure, but for some reason I was like, yeah, this right. is fine. And then <laughs> one day... eight of the commandments of order. <laughs> <laughs> Thou shalt not fuck over the maker of the Monte Cristo... And then one day I'm walking behind the general manager and the manager, and they called me Moose at the time, and they just go like, how's Moose with the coupons? And I was just like, ooh, it was like a Shakespeare play. I heard them talking about me. And, and, I, you I, ra- and did you run away and never come back? I, no, I just immediately stopped doing So that. they knew about you for how long, you think? Were they they were tracking you? me. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Of course they were. They were like, Moose has $700 off coupons. <laughs> It'd be funny if it was like this the week. Other- the other Goodfellas, you, you think you see helicopters, you're like, they're not there about the group. <laughs> right there, right there. <laughs> what are you talking about, Moose? Southwest know. sample this. 
much money did you make off that? <laughs> you were saying, I'm sorry, I wanted no, to be in on the riff and uh, the bad boys. <laughs> you know, uh, I think about you know my father and and how crazy he was. You don't you don't I didn't know that growing up, but uh, you know he was. Uh, a, a, a criminal, uh, you know, and uh, mm. he would teach us all that when cable came out, he taught us how to, uh, uh, the cable guys taught him, they're all crooked. They taught him how to steal HBO for the whole block. There were these filters that the, they would come by and check. If the filter was there, it would stop all the HBO signal from going in. But the guy, uh, this kid, the Harold, original cock block. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> a cable block. So um, he, uh, he's, the guy said, if you take that out, and you boil it for half an hour, you it, it's useless. So you put it back in, and you get all the HBO, and the inspector comes by and sees it, and it's like everything's fine. Ah. So uh, he had four of us in the neighborhood climbing at 2 in the morning, climbing the, the, the no telephone way. poles and taking the filters, and he would boil them. In the garage. That's funny. That's like the working class version <laughs> I was just fine with it, yeah. of like in my snooty suburban just giving the guy 50 bucks. Just, yeah. You do it. You well, we were the like, one who got the 50 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> but did you go house to house and go give me 100 bucks? You're going to have cable for the rest of your life? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah everybody knew uh, the deal. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know who intimidated who, but I don't think there's anybody who said no. That's so funny. <laughs> it's like taking a loan or something. Yeah. This is support. also so appropriate because we're here promoting our HBO premium paid subscription television show <laughs> crashing. Take I'm it not. out of my check. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if Bennigan's was also a producer on the show. We're just like, we shouldn't be telling these stories. Well, they went out of business years ago. You didn't hear about the scam with the Bennigan's? Yeah, because of the scandal with you. <laughs> <laughs> so what else was your dad doing? Was he, he was doing construction. He uh, he was like a he was a roofer. His skill was um you know climb roofs. He could do anything on a roof. And I found out later, you know, on Stern, we we did that ancestor thing and uh, before some bit you know, with Gary, so we all did it. And I found out I know anything about my father's side of the family. My mother's all Italian, but he his father died in the last. Father got shot. Uh, no one knows why. Uh, my father was eleven when he got shot. But he was eleven. Yeah, it was uh, eleven years old. When oh, I thought father, this was some term I didn't know. Yeah, well, he, he was uh, flipping hubcaps. Oh, you know, a lemon. Well, sorta. And he eleven when he got shot. Well, my no. father, grandfather did. My what? father was eleven when his father got. He's shot. not paying oh, any attention. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't been. I haven't been listening ever since we brought up the Bennigans. I'm just thinking about those nachos. How do I improve it? Uh, <laughs> He's talking about his grandfather getting murdered. You're yeah, not paying any yeah, attention. Yeah, yeah. I, got, I, I need more. I need. I more. never met the guy. I was more invested in the tile in Cosby's bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did something wrong there. Uh, okay, so your dad was eleven when your grandfather got. Yeah, shot. and uh, so I don't. Even remember. that, you said like a throwaway. So your dad was eleven. And I got shot. <laughs> like what's the Boring. With you. I'm over. What was the caliber? I'm over. <laughs> uh, he, uh, he, so he didn't know anything about his side of the family. Neither did we. So I. It turns out I'm 25 percent Native American. No way. I'm a person of color. You're like Elizabeth Warren. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Really? Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I found that I, I had you a could verified have gone to college for free. Well, uh, you could have gone to college. Uh, <laughs> if you saw me third, play third base, I could have done that anyway. <laughs> I, uh, I had a, I had a, I had a verified too, and I wanted to get money from casinos, which was the big thing. I yeah, just wanted, the, I just wanted the money I lost. Uh, and <laughs> you, you, you have to prove the tribe you're in oh, and that, to and get the money. Yeah. So, uh, but a thing they were known for, Native Americans still are, is uh, climbing and, and not being okay with heights, which made sense with they my don't dad. Like they're great with it. They oh, built like the Empire it. State Building, you know, and oh, wow. uh, 
And so that made sense that he had that skill. And uh, he uh, he would get that, that was his day job. Yeah, was yeah. he still installed antennas, um, and um, uh, that, that he fell off. That's how he got hurt, died, fell off a roof. But uh, he could do anything on a roof. But he also, you know, would steal everything. He came over to pool table once, and there was no room in the house for a pool table. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he was trying to figure out how to get in the basement, and it sat in the kitchen. My mother made food around the pool table. For oh days. my god! <laughs> so, uh, so he's just like a scrappy criminal, or is he like involved in organized crime in some way? Well, he, he, uh, he yeah, he grew up in an area in Newark where, uh, yeah, he got he was involved with uh, some people that were definitely organized crime guys. Uh, uh, I guess I guess they're all gone. I know I'm not going to say their name. Uh, he uh, he got involved with this one family, sort of known, uh, and they asked him to. When I was born, he he got uh, he was on uh, trial for uh, they found two hundred thousand dollars in counterfeit money on top of our refrigerator that my mother knew. <laughs> Perfect about. place to put it. Yeah. It's monopoly money. Uh, well, <laughs> the FBI came in and he was arrested and. Uh, by the lawyer that the mob got him, they said, listen, don't, and he did rap, he did the right thing, and he was looking at 15 years. So, uh, he, the lawyer says, listen, bring your new son in when I do the summation, because it might help. So, uh, at the end, oh my uh, God. The did they give you like rouge? So well, you <laughs> like an orphan? My father would not allow rouge. <laughs> the, uh, at the end, uh, of the tri- of the summation of my my father's lawyer, he said, and could you let him get home to his wife and newborn child? And according to my mother, I smiled at the jury, and there was like a, a, a audible like oh, and uh, he got off. You saved your dad. Wow. I think I did. Yeah, you saved your dad for fifteen years. That's amazing. <laughs> That's the guilt trip I laid on. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So that. That's very sweet. Well, I know the sad. That's the only sweet part of the story. (laughs) I know. I know you've had. You know, it's something that we talked about when making this show. Yeah, is is when my character in the pilot uh, is attacked. Right, I get stabbed, and you're like, "Oh, it's good." You got your your. I got stabbed. Funny, and you're (laughs) one of the absolute funniest people, and one of the most naturally talented, unbelievably talented, but hilarious people. And I'm I'm interested in like you. You learned to be funny. You had a lot to cope with. I right. Well, you know, it's funny you say. I mean, it's nice. Like I, I, I wrote in the book, uh, my first book. I said, you know, I, I never uh, knew I wasn't rich till I met rich people. You know, I, I had a very uh, and nice they were trying me to bang up this tile. <laughs> <laughs> I fucked 27 people while they're sleeping and I got to put it in a new bathroom. This is all jello money, bitch. That is really looking the other way, man. I'm taking the money, Camille. Uh, but I, I, yeah, you I, didn't know you weren't rich. You, you were I, happy as when a kid I got on Mad TV. It was the first time I was ever in LA for the screen test. I and Quincy Jones produced that show and he invited us all to his house in Bel Air. And, uh, I, I forget. I can't believe how naive I was. I said uh, out loud. I said, "You got a built-in pool," and wow. <laughs> in Bel Air, and uh, he pulled me aside. He goes, "Come here." <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's got a built-in pool. Bel Air. Did he try and? <laughs> He, tra- he trained you. He, he, train you. I think, he uh, train you a little he bit. He took a liking to me, man. And uh, you start from the fork, the furthest away from you. <laughs> he right, it was stuff like you. that. I don't know what. Yeah. And uh, he goes, "You think it's an above ground pool in Beverly Hills?" That's so funny. <laughs> so My uh, grandfather used to produce jazz with him. Oh, oh really? They worked really? together wow. in the '60s at MRC Records. Yeah, he uh, became a producer because of the 
get an aneurysm playing the trumpet or something. Yeah. And, uh, he had, had to produce like an insanely talented guy, but I had seven conversations with him that are seven of the greatest conversations I've ever really? had. So like a fascinating guy. You know, he talks you... about women and, and music. That's what he talks about. Really? In a very graphic way. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, Sometimes and, uh, you're not sure. Is he talking about a trumpet or a woman? It's well, <laughs> <laughs> and he wrote the Sanford and Sun theme. Yeah. No way. Hey, we've I, been humming I, it. I he literally that. wrote. Bum, 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 bum. Okay. He wrote that. I got inside dope on that. I, I asked him about that. I, so I got to know him a little bit, I said, I got to have the San Francisco theme song. That's amazing. He goes, Rev Fox called me up and said, I'm doing a song about garbage, a show about garbage, and I need a theme song. And I said, he goes, he goes I wrote that in 20 minutes smoking opium. <laughs> wow. He, he claims you, and how much money is he made from that? His third interest emerges. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and I said to him, like, the only thing I took from that is you can get opium. <laughs> and, uh, it I, sounds like he's in Iran or something. Yeah, I mean, uh, that was like a, like opium. I, that really. I'm, I dated. Whoa. I dated a girl once that was like, my friend just came back from Turkey and she has opium, and I was like, Are you fucking insane? <laughs> I just couldn't believe that people would uh, smoke, uh, you know, not Whole Foods grade opium. You're like my my friend got back from Whole Foods and he has turkey. That's what you- <laughs> That is like my grandfather always had like a, a like a hookah. Is that what they call it? Hookah. A hookah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe well, he was doing now, opium. Uh, not- Artie lost his virginity to a hookah. I did. <laughs> I loved her. I'm very good at this. And so, so Artie, so your, your, your dad, he was like like uh, disabled after yeah. uh, he, he, he fell got off hurt. a roof. Well, again, you talk about karma. He fell off a roof working. He, uh, he uh, had a ladder that didn't reach the roof, so he put it on top of a picnic table, which he did a million times, and uh, got to the top, and there was nobody holding it, so he swung the hammer, and he fell 30 feet right in his head, became a quadriplegic. So a lawyer came over our house. Uh, there was this kid uh, who got paralyzed right before that playing football, and he, he sued people. The jury, no matter what, if it was your fault, you got money because the jury yeah. felt bad for you. Mm. Insurance companies would just pay you off. So uh, he was laying in our, our, uh, our, our living room because we didn't have insurance from the neck down. Quadriplegic. So, uh, the lawyer says, uh, okay, you know, you fell off a house with no homeowner's insurance. The guy, an older guy owns it and his life savings is $200,000. The guy said, we can take that. And my mother said, no way. My mother wouldn't take it. Neither. Wouldn't take uh, it from the homeowner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She wouldn't do it. Why Which was I that? always thought was, well, it's, it's, I get it, but it was all the guy's money. It wasn't his fault, you know. Right. So, uh, that's really, that's noble. That's, yeah, yeah. My mother is like that. Absolutely. And we were on welfare by this point, you know. Oh my God. Uh, so, uh, so the lawyer's eyes are bright up, and he goes, listen, uh, we can sue the ladder company. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they'll pay up. It's no big deal. They have a lot of money. I've done this before. And so uh, I knew something my mother didn't know, and I looked at my father, and I said, uh, you want to tell him, or should I tell him? He goes, you tell him. So I walked over. My father stole the ladder. <laughs> he fell oh, my <laughs> God. Fell yeah, that is <laughs> insane. So I went over to this lawyer and I said, to "The guy he stole that." The lawyer put down the beer we got him very calmly, closed his briefcase. He said, "I wish you guys luck." <laughs> oh, wow! And then, how many years did your dad live? Four and a half years. Four and a half years, like that. And it was the the, the worst time of my life because my mother uh, was working as a secretary, and you know, it was just the worst. But she, he was laying there, couldn't move from the neck down. It's like a 
night, he would ask me to kill him every day because uh, he would get all pilled up. And uh, finally, I found out later that one of his crazy buddies from Newark killed him. You know, uh, uh, one of his friends did kill him. Yeah, and then I later wanna, on, yeah, okay. well, later on, the guy was dying. Uh, you want to retell the Benigan story? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know how to pick my moments. Did you punch it up? Uh, I, there I, was also a two-for-one salad coupon that I would abuse. <laughs> that was a killer. Uh, that's where you make your money. Uh, uh, well, it was $8. You're right. <laughs> uh, he was, uh, you know, just a living hell for him, obviously. And uh, the guy later on when he was dying, and he called me and he wanted to, I knew he was going to tell me. He goes, I got to talk to you before I die. And he admitted he got in with pills and blah, blah, I said, Dan, I, I wouldn't have had you arrested. Uh, you know, he wanted to die. And I'm sure my mother wouldn't have. But the cops did me such a solid because it was clear it was foul play or something. And I told the cops who I knew uh, came over to the house. I said, this, don't get, have an autopsy happen here. And uh, I gave the guy 500 bucks and no autopsy. Uh, so no one knew anything. For all I knew, my mother did it. Like, I don't know if she was... So you, uh, you gave $500 to the cop to not do an autopsy? Yes, absolutely. And That's, where were you in your life? How old were you? How 20, did you 22. have... $500, is my question. Uh, you know, sometimes the giant's covered. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if it was Mad TV. No, I was working. No, Mad TV came at 27. Did, did you... Was there... Attention in the house. Were you funny with your mother? Did you try to make your dad laugh? Did you try to make yourself laugh? That canoe story is one of the only things that made him laugh. He would say, "Tell me the canoe story." No, <laughs> and coincidentally, and which Howard Stern. Uh, yes, I remember you told me that he we sent. Uh, we sent my father loved Howard. He turned me on to Howard when I was thirteen. He said, "You got to come work with me in the van and listen to this guy." And uh, he was my father was you know right up his alley, and I remember laughing. It was a bonding thing we had with, with yeah. So um, that's like uh, a big deal because Howard's dirty, and Howard tells yeah, yeah. talks about sex and stuff. And in your, for your father, it's yeah. like your dad buying you a Playboy or something. It's kind of yeah, oh, yeah. Well, uh, my father, I think, uh, got me the hooker. <laughs> <laughs> you did grow up so different. You're really surprised by that. Yeah. Well, you know, I <laughs> I recognize myself in all of these stories, even though they're so right. different. You surprised. I have family members that were like, "Hey, if I'm ever in that situation, you got to kill me." Like a morbid. Right. I said that to my family. wife. Yeah, I'm like, if I'm in any situation, pull the plug. I don't care if it's too early. That is, no you have permission. Yeah. Even if they say he might get better, just pull it. Yeah, there was none of that. Exactly, I was just attitude. Like, I'm not trying to be brave here. Uh, yeah, that is the worst. I mean, you know. But then I also, again, it's 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 obviously I'm not trying to compare our our tales, but there is a similarity that there was tension in my house, and right. I think that's when I learned. I was like, Jesus, mom is. Having a panic attack, uh-huh. dad is overworked and stressed right. out. My brother is is off in his own world, and I started trying to be funny. I have to imagine that what was yeah. it like with no, your, that? With that your, was that. I mean, also, but with uh, substance abuse and gambling, and that's another way I suppressed it. Right, know? and it was t- terrible. How uh, did that start? If you don't mind, uh, you know, I was like, I don't know. I smoked a cigarette when I was like eleven. I, I I probably I did coke for the first time when I was like thirteen years old. Is that right? These older yeah. guys had had it in the neighborhood. It was just around, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but how could you not numb out uh, if, you're, if you're watching your dad suffer? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, my sister didn't know. Yeah. Now she had a very different relationship with him. That's why I always say my sister's like my hero. My sister put herself through FIT bartending and uh, became an enormous success in the yeah. fashion industry. You know? and, but that is the thing in families. It's like some in in, in a lot of families when they're stressed, like. They're hyper achievers, right? Right. You know, like that's, uh, like, well, that's, that's a good I, yeah. point. She did have that. Uh, she, she, but what a great problem! <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think that's like that's like some people it's a, in a yeah. family, like they go 
I'm so stressed out. I just got to get a did damn you, job and other people numb out. She got out of the house. She, at 18, she just bolted and did exactly that. She started living with a guy that was just uh, I, I, an asshole. And I, my father actually said to me right before he died, he said, don't let Stacey marry that guy. Really? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I don't know how I would have prevented that, but. And do you think, like, in, in terms of just uh, like uh, addiction, that you're just setting a path when you're really young, yeah. and then you're just fucked because you did it at an early age, and your yeah. brain is just wired it's for part, it? It's part of certainly it's part of my adult life. To, you know, is 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 dope, and, uh, but not until the opiates. You know, if, if a kid's gonna do a drug, I would beg him just don't. Try opiates because of the withdrawals. It becomes a part of you. You know, yeah, yeah. it's like not having oxygen. When did that yeah. come in? Again, if you want to not give us the play-by-play, of no, I mean it's it's a little pre-documented. I think. Yeah, uh, it's my no, understanding that you're open about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I in my twenties, you know, uh, but I never shot it. I, for some reason, I didn't go to that level. Oh, really? Yeah. For some reason, I that I was like, oh, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, which would have, uh, to me, once you have, unless you're Keith Richards with those funds, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. <laughs> I just gave. You're not going to make it because, uh, you know, you Keith Richards, from what I hear, and people like that have, you know, doctors like Michael Jackson. They just move it. He, uh, like he put a an operating room in his house. Like a bag man, but times a million. Like a doctor. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. I mean, money talks. That guy for 150 grand basically put him under every night. Right. That's insane. Uh, yeah, yeah, even yeah. I was kind of naive that that could happen. Well, that's what uh, of money. my dear friend Harris Whittles, who died, it was yeah. after he started um, it shooting it. Yeah, yeah. Very, that's very, the easy very way to OD. You know, the, the, it's just a hard so that you, you not have a, a big enough fear of that. No, that's what I get from my father. Unfortunately, I don't have I don't fear anything at all. Yeah. Really? Uh, yeah. I I I, I, uh, I mean, obviously. I've gotten my ass kicked a lot because of that. Yeah. Uh, and do you develop it at all? Like after everything that's happened, do you feel that I have new fear? Or you go, wow, it's weird. I still don't have fear. Yeah. And that scares me. Sure. <laughs> my, my father had a crazy, a crazy sense of humor and he, there's nothing he wouldn't do. I mean, I remember being seven years old and we were on the, the roof of a, a flat roof on a, uh, an apartment building in Newark. And he was 50 stories up and I'm seven. And he uh, he's on the ledge going like this. I could go this way or I could go that way. And oh, wow. he like, literally hears nothing. Wow. And I remember hiding behind him like an air conditioner. Teetering on the edge. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Stop doing that. He thought it was funny that I was scared of it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, well, he also threw me on the field at, at the Yankee Stadium for the 77 series. What do you mean? I, 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 you don't know that story. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, okay. 77 series, game six. Mm-hmm. My father sent away for tickets for the game where Reggie hit the three home runs. Uh, we're in the last row of the upper deck behind you first watch? base. Uh, uh, you remember the game, obviously. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. We're the same exact age, by the way. I don't really. Yeah. You're, too, you're younger than me. I'm. Which really pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like, well, at least when I get Judd's age, I'll be sort of that successful. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> so uh, it was a week after my 10th birthday. And uh, so we're all the way in the last row of the upper deck. And it's just me and him. <laughs> Ten bucks a ticket. He must have spent 30 bucks that night on a World Series game. I, I still have them framed. Wow. So in the old days, like nowadays, rich, wealthy people, they stay at the game. In the 70s, they used to leave, especially in the Bronx and the scumbags day. Uh, and if you uh, tip the, the ushers enough money, you could get right in the front row. Yeah. 
And we got down literally where Steinbrenner sits. My father tipped enough. He was a very street smart guy, obviously. So we get down there, and the Yankees are up by four runs and two outs. So he whispers in my ear, um, okay, when they make the third out, I can't get on the field. And back then, you're not allowed to do this now. Everybody charged the field. There's footage yeah. of the 77 series. Like, it was nuts. Yeah, they would do that in Boston, too. and well, Everywhere. Uh, there's footage of Reggie Jackson in right field, and people have their legs in play, ready to charge him. And, you know, uh, the 70s in the Bronx, it was literally burning outside. So uh, he goes, I can't get on the field, but you can, because the cops just hit anybody they could. And then when it was, <laughs> when they wow. hit enough people that looked like they were in Led Zeppelin, they stopped uh, and let everybody on. <laughs> I get on in 20 minutes. He goes, when the last out is made, I'm going to throw you on the field. <laughs> And I said, okay. Like, he was my hero. I'm like, okay, it's fine. Uh, run the shortstop, and I'll meet you there. I'll meet you at shortstop. The most nondescript position. <laughs> Find an area well, between you know that. second and third. <laughs> you know I know where that was. And I'll meet you there. Uh, How about second? Well, it's not Dad. nondescript of you. <laughs> nondescript. Meet me at third, Dad. <laughs> uh, third was closer to the cops. Shortstop is when you get a... Uh, a hand job and a blowjob in the sex. <laughs> I metaphor. never thought of it that way. Uh, so I go, okay. So uh, uh, Lee Lacey on the Dodgers squares the bunt. He pops it up, and the guy named Mike Torres on the Yankees catches it. Him and Thurman Munson embrace. There's a second where my father doesn't do anything, and he's got his hand like on the back of my lower my back. And then I feel I'm off the hook. Another second goes by. He goes, I'll meet you at shortstop. And he throws me on the field. So <laughs> uh, I do a, like a somersault. I wake up. I, I get up. Now, people are, are – cops are hitting guys in the head with billy clothes. Really? And uh, I look at him. He goes, run a shortstop. <laughs> so I turned around, ran a shortstop. And it was like, okay, you know, Willem Dafoe when the helicopter leaves him at the end of the uh, platoon. <laughs> 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 That's what I felt like. And, uh, I don't understand what the plan was that you needed to go first. Like, why wouldn't he just go to shortstop? Be, because <laughs> adults got hit by the cops. Oh, but not kids. Right, not okay. kids. That's what he said. Unless you have the mini bats. You have the kids <laughs> with the mini bats. If it's it mini bat day, they hit it everybody. It was right about everything. <laughs> so I ran a shortstop. Now 20 minutes go by. And no dad. And I'm like... I'm just starting, pandemonium everywhere. Yeah. I mean, really, like, there's footage of it. And... uh after 20 minutes, I feel a tap on my shoulder. He, he says, uh, we won, which is typical of him. And he put me on his shoulder. Uh, and uh, uh, it was like the happiest moment of my life to date. And uh, we oh stayed till like 3 o'clock in the morning. Wow. Uh, he let me take a drink from the fountain and, uh, in the Yankees, uh, the Yankee dugout. He was friends with all the cops by then. And uh, on the George Washington Bridge, he, he looks at me and he goes, you don't have to go to school tomorrow. I don't care what your mother said. <laughs> Wow. So at the end, I got a day off. So that was the kind of parenting. That is the most dad thing I've ever heard in my dad dad. He'd be in jail. Yeah. Yeah, for the type of parenting. He's a 70s dad. (laughs) I I thought he was the greatest guy. Like, I thought that was normal, of course, but it wasn't. And you inherited a a, a fearlessness. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, but that's a bad thing, you know. Well, I wonder if it it can be bad. You know, I'm I'm a square, and I think it's because I'm I'm scared of things. I'm the guy that's like watching. Yeah, the but Uber don't you driver. think that's a good longevity thing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's why we scary. keep reproducing. That's why there's so many squares. <laughs> <laughs> when you're in, when you're like in rehab and therapy, yeah. and someone is like, I'm gonna, 
I'm going to teach already this, right. and it's going to make it better. What are they trying to teach you? Well, the one time, the first time I went, from, from uh, this kid said my father was an asshole because he was putting himself in danger. He was providing for a family, and I said, uh, I got up and I, I punched the kid in the face. Uh, I uh, ran. I just I just hit him as hard as I could in the face, which was a bad thing. And uh, but it turns out he was right. He shouldn't have taken a risk like that, you know. Uh, his attitude was, I'm putting food on the table, but this kid was like, no, he should have been safer. Yeah. But he could have mm. put that in a different way. Yeah. There's people who got to me. Quincy Jones got to me. Like He he, uh, he treated me very well. He used to call me at home. and uh, Oh, really? See how you're doing? Yeah. He yeah. would check in? He really took a liking to me. And uh, there's an Italian thing where... Uh, there's Who's a- ordering the sizzling skillet <laughs> when we're taping a fucking podcast? This I want is, to know. This is the, my nightmare, by the is way. Is this you? I, I don't allow other people to sit in the studio. Like yeah. People bring friends, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't sit in. This is the, We're this doing is the most a awkward thing of all time. <laughs> it's got to be LeBeau. At Benny Hanna it's right the now. Fucking, it's the publicist, Matt LeBeau. <laughs> fucking take your steak outside. What does it matter with you? <laughs> and Q Matt LeBeau. Oh, my God. This uh, is an ad for Forefront Media. <laughs> 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 Artie, by the way, I, I I feel rude. Have some of the shrimp; it's amazing. Oh yeah. Oh, you know what? Yeah. Oh, you're you're gonna pass. Yeah. You don't oh, fuck yeah. with uh. That looks filling. <laughs> that looks filling. I'm afraid of that. <laughs> it's not kosher. You uh, want to keep it light. Yeah. And then Springsteen called you up when you were. That's another one. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, the, you ever see the movie Twenty Nine Street with Anthony LaPaglia? Sequel to Twenty Nine. Anyway, uh, my uncles all thought that there's a thing in Italian families uh, where there's an idiot who is lucky, and they think that's me. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, ah. He calls it the idiot thing, but you, and he, he would call it, you know, you got that idiot thing, but it shines on you, the sun, and he would point to his forehead. Uh, when I got on Mad TV, he said, I go, no, I worked hard. I go, no, you got that idiot thing. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I have had a lot of luck. A lot of people... Uh, when I thought I was out of the business, powerful, uh, successful people have helped me. Uh, Quincy, Norm at the time, uh, Howard. That, that's something that we keep, <laughs> we keep uh, talking about on the show. People don't believe me. We talked about it on the radio this morning. Right. People don't tend to believe me when I'm like, no, comedians like helping. It's almost like a species. We, lo- we have a love for each other. Yes. Well, you know. To a I certain mean, extent. That's an exaggeration a little bit. <laughs> but you're right. I know I do... There's a camaraderie. You can almost tell. Camaraderie is a better way to put it. You can almost tell uh, another comic. Well, if I'm talking to a stranger and they tell me they've been doing stand-up for 10 years, right? I do perk up a little bit. You do? That depresses the hell out of me. One time I was with David Tell outside the comedy cell, and this, this really like nice kid came up, and, and uh, he's, he said to the two of us, how did you guys know when you were comedians? And Dave said to him, when I started hating people like you. And the kid was really like wow. sad. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I felt like running after him. <laughs> so what does it feel like in a moment like this when crashing is about to air and you did such good work and having uh you know uh you know a moment where hopefully people will right see what you're doing and appreciate your well, I was telling it's you that started already. It's you know just from the, the uh trailer and the clips and everything and uh you know it it's a great feeling. I I I've had it before and it does uh you know but not on this level without question. Yeah. Uh, and uh, no, it feels awesome. I, I, I don't have a death wish. I, I, I like I would after what I did to leave Howard, I would still be in 
in a mental home if I wasn't screwed up on, on dope. The doctor said, look, I could keep you here, but you were high. And that's, you know, and I didn't want to die that day. That's what people don't realize. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to feel different than the withdrawals. The withdrawals are biblical. It's like I, no one has accurately described them. Uh, like even Miles Davis could not describe it. Yeah, yeah there's uh, and no one's been really eloquent about it. Ask you to describe it. Well, what uh, is the ballpark? The, the, to me, it's the. Uh, I've the, seen Ray. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what it gets you. Uh, to be blind, it goes. Uh, you know, I don't know how he did that. Right, that's not spoken about enough. Ray Charles or any blind guy who just lives. Mm-hmm. Like in the beginning, his mother puts a sign on him and puts him on a bus and t- sends him to Seattle when he's seventeen. If he finds the school, that's a successful life to me. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. found the school and became one of the best swimmers. And that's astonishing. Yep. Uh, and to shoot up heroin when you're in withdrawals, when you're blind, I don't know how that happened. It's literally like a, a, a superhero story or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the discomfort that's the worst thing. And Sid Vicious came close enough, uh, uh, actually, to describing it. What did he say? When you're cold, when you want to be cold, then you want to be hot. When you when you want to be wet, you want to be dry. When you, you you can't sit up, you can't sit back, and you go. There's no way I'll get through another second of this. And you have people going. It's four days. Yeah. Till you start to feel better, and you know. Wow. Uh, that's when junkies do something bad. It's not when they're on heroin. It's when they're off it. Oh my God. Are you referring to the time? The yeah. Here's your food. It's just like a hidden camera. <laughs> Artie, this is one of the weirdest things we've ever done in my life. (laughs) I have done some weird gigs, and this is Uh, one of them. (laughs) Uh, My mother yells at me because she says, your life always takes over because it's crazy. Don't Mm -hmm. talk. (laughs) And I said, I was on the radio. So how would you describe this phase of your life? Uh, oh, wow. That's an excellent question. Are you in a good phase, a bad phase? Like, how do, how do you look at it? It's never totally good. Uh, I mean, I struggle, you know, it's like yeah. a, it's a, every day. I, I, when there's a woman in my life and it's a good thing, it's like, it's like Is there a, a race now? to. Uh, yeah, sort of, right now. She doesn't speak English. <laughs> <laughs> Is it the same sort of than when we were shooting? No. Different sort of. Uh, Swapping sort of. <laughs> Uh, Joe Lasorda baseball. I make the same mistakes every time. <laughs> Tom, Tom Lasorda baseball. Do you feel like you I have a learning mean. curve? <laughs> Do you feel like you have a learning curve that's happening or no? Uh, God, yeah, I, I hope so. I wish I had a definite answer for all those questions. They're all great questions. And, uh, you know, um, uh, like, do you ever think, like, oh, my God, the show's about to air. Yeah. I'm going to go to the fucking gym, um, and I'm going to take uh, advantage of this. I never think that. No, uh, no I, listen. Uh, yeah, the show's about to air. I, I feel like, you know, I don't screw it up somehow. For everybody else, I have that thing. Uh, <laughs> like, I tell you about the first week the ratings came out with Howard, when the first ratings book when I was there. I said, all that can happen is we screw this up. He's been yeah. number one for 20 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's number five, and he looks around the room and goes, well, something's different. What is different? <laughs> it's that fat guy. in the But that didn't happen. It did not happen. No. That's what's interesting is, uh, like you saying, I didn't want to die. You want to do well, and you do do really well. Yeah. Do do. Like, I kept joking that your next book should be called Consummate Professional <laughs> because the hardest day of shooting we had was at Governor's. And we had to do stand-up. Right. And it was really hard. And you came out and you crushed and, and you weren't worried. You, it's that fearless thing we're talking about. 
Yeah, that makes stand up easier when you when you've been through some of that stuff. Uh, it's like when I went to Afghanistan to stand up for the troops. I just we were under border attack, and I was just laughing with the you know I don't know. And people were like, "What are you doing?" I said, "I don't know." Wow. What, what are we going to do? You know. Yeah. But uh, if you interviewed those extras, you would see they're they're my crowd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was fine with that. Group. Yeah, but there was a fearlessness. I love telling the story that in the pizza place, and yeah. I think I've said many times. I think that's a big reason why we got picked up. Right. Judd had you improvise why what you would tell a young doughy eyed comic, right. uh, and you just did an entire reel of film. Well, and it was one of the happiest things because I'm so on your side, obviously, right. and care about you and want this to be a great show for you. And everyone applauded. It, it was one of the most heartwarming things of the whole thing. Well, that's nice you say. I mean, you had a lot to do with that too. I mean, there was a lot to work with there. Like I well. tell you, like you want to help you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that's one of the things that I hope is interesting about the show is the odd odd couple element. Oh, yeah. And Absolutely. then it was natural because I am kind of like my character and you obviously are your yeah. character to just have us talk. But that was the genius of Judd. We had a script. We knew the lines and Judd was like, let's see what happens. We'll get the script. Well, let's see what happens. Well, and the that way, scene is the is the scene. I was I I had a little confidence coming in here because the way I found out Judd had my first book was a really funny thing. Somebody tweeted me a picture of uh, Judd had tweeted Andy Dick a picture of Andy Dick in his house, and it said it was, really? I was very it was kind of touching and eloquent. You tweeted uh, my handsome visitor, and, and, <laughs> and, and, and Andy looked good. And I felt you know I, I've been with Andy when he didn't look good, and I didn't look good. And uh, I was happy about that. Yeah. And then some guy tweeted out, "Hey, look above uh, Andy Dick's shoulder at your book." <laughs> it was in front of your bookcase oh, and my book. So I, I had never spoken to you before. I tweeted out, "Hey, you got good taste." And you said, uh, "Write more to fill up my shelf," which was very nice. <laughs> so coming into this, I had a little confidence that uh, I knew he was a good guy. At least. Yeah. And I liked you from your show, the risks you took on your show. Well, thanks, I love sorry. comics who take those, you know, the risks you took on that show. It was like an early Conan. Uh, oh, thanks, man. And so I said, I got to go on this. But speaking of, it, it wasn't really a risk, but it was a it was a big choice. We were like, who's going to play this part? Right. And then you came in, and I love telling this story. You were wearing sunglasses uh-huh. and like a V-neck undershirt and track <laughs> pants, kind of like what you're wearing now. <laughs> <laughs> and you had the, and I say this with all fondness, you had the sides unstapled and out of order and there are these two other comedians who are auditioning they had already done something and then you came in and it was like this hilarious localized storm there was like this hurricane (laughs) and everything you said was hilarious like and it was like Judd and I you know to make the story better I'll say we looked at each other that's not true that would have been distracting (laughs) if I went "Mm, I have an idea but it was so compelling and so interesting so we we were fans but then when you came in and killed it I was just honored that you came in to audition well I was there I remember at at Howard Stern the day that you quit yes oh that's right I I remember that I was there earlier in the day I was the previous interview right that's right and you came up to me in the hall yeah. And, and we're very nice. <laughs> I didn't hear what happened afterwards. What uh, did happen? I don't even still don't. I, well, what I happened. kept drinking and doing drugs in the bathroom, mm-hmm. and that's what happened. <laughs> so you, I'm sorry, Artie, that I'm not. I, I got to the point where, yeah, again, I, I was a full no. uh, full time junkie. There's no other way to put that. So I had to keep doing drugs. Yeah. Uh, I like I I uh, you know it was terrible, and uh, everybody knew at that point. And the way I was acting, you know, spilling stuff and, you know, and not being funny and, and ruining the timing. For eight, can you, can for eight years and too much, he didn't give me one note. One, not one note. And uh, 
finally you had to go. He goes, look, you're, you're just not yourself, you know. Mm. Can you tell me? A, this might be a weird question, but like, what is it like being incredibly high while you're on the radio? Or is it like, do you forget where you are? Do you have moments of panic? To me, the funniest thing I ever did was when I was asleep from heroin. Uh, or falling asleep. <laughs> Kathy Griffin, I love Kathy, but it was you know just a breaking balls thing. The contrast of me and her. Uh, she came in and she uh, she always told us that she always wanted to tell her mother and father she had an Emmy nomination, and her father died, and she got an Emmy nomination. <laughs> so uh, she's telling Howard that and crying. She goes uh, and her, got her mother on the phone and said, "Mom, you know what did I tell you?" And she said, "You were crying." And now Kathy and her mother are both crying, and you hear me go, "Oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> an my audible God. snore." Oh my God. <laughs> That's what the cough button is for. <laughs> I was asleep. I know. Uh, so she said, does he have to be in here? <laughs> oh, my God. He kicked me out of the studio. I went to sleep. I kicked her makeup people out because I had nowhere to sleep. And she was going to the Today Show afterwards. So uh, I woke up at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And no one was in the studio. It was very odd. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm going to be arrested. Uh, it's wow. going to be a SWAT team with Beetlejuice leading them. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so... Uh, I don't know. It was a very difficult position I put them in. Is yeah. it weird that you're on the air with them still, even though you don't do the show? Yes. A lot of people say it's like uh, being on a syndicated sitcom, and I say, yeah, when one guy gets paid. <laughs> <laughs> if only Ross got paid, you're Chandler. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, no, that, the, the issue with that with stand-up on the road is people hear that, and I don't listen to it, and they yell out stuff at gigs that happened on the replay like I just did it. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't yeah. even remember doing it. That's funny. That- <laughs> you do Sal's emotional voice. Or something. <laughs> I don't know. But it, you now you have your own thing. You have your... I, I kind of famously resent how much, how many subscribers you have. How do people well, sign up? down now. How do people sign up? People steal it. Uh, I'll go to artiequitter.com. Oh, and uh, but people started stealing it? Yeah, oh, yeah. They don't it's, want to give you how many bucks a month? A, a quarter a day. And uh, either save a kid or right. <laughs> subscribe to your podcast. Right. The kid's so. not going to make you laugh. He's <laughs> <laughs> just going to disappoint you. Uh, <laughs> people are canoeing you. <laughs> I know. I, I, I'm a hypocrite. No, no, no. That, <laughs> wasn't, that was not my point. They're canoeing you. <laughs> but it went down. But it's still an amazing thing. Yeah, I, know, I only make like 600 grand a year from you, for no, some reason, way, it's not that, but it's a, it's something I, that I know my I, couch is like. Uh, I'm not a good businessman, but I mistakenly sort of fell into this. Yeah, which warms my heart. I think there's a redemption in that story. Right. Here you are, you found your audience. What a great time for podcasting. Yeah, and you're doing your new stuff. There is the old stuff replaying, but here right. you are carving out a new space place. for you. Yeah, it's all over the place. I, uh, I, uh, it's very, it's a, it's an interesting time, and this show has been amazing. It's very like. Um, like, it legitimizes me. Yeah. It really does. Oh, I hope so. Uh, I remember are... we, we do the thing, I don't want to spoil the moment, but, like, your mom seemed moved by oh, the show. Oh, yeah. And, oh, God. My mother's like, yeah. Because your character receives a type of redemption. Right. That, that has, we she, talk... has she seen the show? No, we sent photos of the moment. I tell her about the baptized thing. Yeah. Well, and and, oh, and wow. it was very, very sweet. Yeah, you tell your my, my mother that. Yeah, she, so she thinks I'm religious again. <laughs> like, I never was. You know? Yeah, you don't have to, ex- <laughs> have to explain it to TV. My show. mother was real religious growing up. My father was so funny. We'd be up on a roof working, and, and he'd talk about religion. He would go, go to confirmation, make her happy, but there's nothing up there. <laughs> really? He's like, I'm on roofs. I yeah, know. Yeah, uh, there's nothing up there. <laughs> my family did that to me, too. Uh, you know, I asked to be bar mitzvah, and they're like, you just want the money. 
<laughs> no <laughs> oh, that's way. terrible. And they never talked about God or anything. They just said, nobody said life was fair. Yeah. And that was it. Wow. And uh, they never even said, I know this is weird. You'll figure it out for yourself. They just did not talk about it. The fact that you made those tapes, though, interviewed people. So from an early age, you were like a an A-list, A-type personality. Yeah, right? I was. I, I thought, well, my grandfather who worked with Quincy Jones. He he went down south. He recorded Ray Charles. Or Ray Charles amazing. was like 19. That's unbelievable. And he... Was like one of the first guys still to get the sign to get a tape recorder to go t- and went down south to record blues guys on their front stoops. Oh my god! So I think somewhere in my head I just thought, oh, you just gotta have balls and do it yourself. Balls is a big part of it. Talent helps, but I think you, you see so many dumb guys who uh, are rich. But um, if you have that combination, man, forget it. You know? But I was obsessed. I mean, when, when was the first time you went to a club or saw a concert? I was nineteen, July twelfth, nineteen eighty-seven. I was. Uh, I took mushrooms at a dead. Uh, ah! A dead Dylan concert at Giant Stadium, and I got up the Bulls to go to the Improv. I did a set at the Improv. I was in the lottery, the first time I got a number, and uh, I didn't get any laughs. Besides, I wrote a song parody. <laughs> if the show Cheers were a gay bar called Queers, I wrote a song parody. It was still holds fun. up. Still holds up. When I was 19, it was fun. Where everybody uh, knows you're gay. <laughs> and they're not afraid the last part is they're not afraid to say when I look at his ass I lick my chops and all the bar stools have no tops uh, okay that got giggles but I sang it 14 years later at Carnegie Hall <laughs> I ended by explaining it I don't like it anymore but uh, with, nice with acoustics it's great uh, so it was I bombed though miserably there and then I bombed again and then I, I were you still on mushrooms when you did your first no episode? they're wearing off that's oh. the worst thing ever yeah uh, I asked uh, Bud Freeman's wife I said do you have any notes for me and she goes I only give notes to people who are good Oh, and uh, I said, "Wow, that is really welcome to life." Wow, uh, <laughs> and then I said, "Do you have any mushrooms?" <laughs> and then, then did you decide to just keep trying? Yes. Again, I had nothing else to do. Yeah. Uh, I had, I knew kids. I started to meet wealthy kids who were like were uh, gone to Yale and were going to their fathers were upset they were going to be comedians and they had one foot in one foot out. They were going to Hampton instead of doing gigs, you know. Yeah. So. Who did you like, and who like what? Who were the first comedians you went and saw at a comedy club that uh, impressed you? You know, so you talked about John Mulroney. He was at the yeah. Rascals all the time. He would do three hours, and you know, back then we loved him. Uh, Kinnison, I saw Kinnison live. Uh, all guys I heard on Howard Gilbert. Yeah. Uh, Gilbert, I saw at yeah. the uh, Caroline's. Me too. I went to go see him at Caroline. Did you? Yeah, and, and Richard Lewis. Yeah, uh, I thought his jokes were him on Letterman was so amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, they had this report that nobody ever had with him. I don't think, and I saw him mm. a lot. You know, those guys. But Richard Pryor, the first Richard Pryor uh, record uh, film, I saw my buddies. We were stuck in it. You know, the way he was talking about it. Again, it was like part of the the, the, the the Paul Newman line from The Hustler with Jim Poole. The microphone was like part of his arm. Like he was doing what he was born to do. And mm-hmm. I think it's just like. The physical stuff and like I want he was making comedy out of tragedy and mm. and you right you talk about that line he was growing up in a whorehouse funny <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. Really, just think about that you see your mother turning tricks and think of the lack of trust you have in people where there's guys you see in church going home with the mothers to turn tricks yeah like you have trust in nobody especially yeah. men no adults and like what do you do like that's pretty extraordinary when did you realize that you actually could do it. Like where you I don't thought think, I don't think okay, I was nineteen when I tried it first. I don't think I had a good set till I was twenty five. So really? six years, yeah. You were what I thought was a good set. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you saw potential. I mean nobody was like what 
you weren't the club joke. There's sometimes the guy. No. It's like, why is this guy? No, it was coming? never that bad, but it was. Uh, <clears throat> you I had high standards. I, I was terrible. I mean, I did it from 17 to 24, and I would be on TV all the time, and I look at it now, and it's really bad. Yeah. Yeah, but. But, uh, but you're a kid. I mean, it, it takes a while to. You, yeah, what are, you, what are you talking about exactly? Yeah, those stories. But, uh, well, you actually did have stories. I had no excuse. You had a, You should have been better. It's kind of. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of. It's kind of ballsy though to do it now because you have a lot to, to lose. You know, people yeah. expect you to be. You know. Oh shit! Wait, I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, just in, you know, for that hundred people yeah. there who I see at the cellar. If you don't do well, it stands out. Well, it is very know? easy at your level, Jed. I have to think it's tempting to stay indoors. Get a very nice soft blanket made of mm-hmm. materials not for us regular <laughs> folks, and then order premium foods brought to your brought to your door. I thought you were going to say porn. <laughs> <laughs> if I were a better comedian, I would have said and order premium porn. I mean that. I mean, even I'm Val and I, who's here, are tempted at. Yeah, I have to apologize to time. Val. I don't know this was going to happen. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's just uh, it's just. Everything I wanted to do. And I know it sounds right. weird, but I didn't have any interest in doing anything that I've done. Oh, I only okay. had interest in going up at the comedy cell. Oh, and so and it, it took me a long time to reconnect with that thought that I really didn't have a thought but beyond how can I be like Leno and Seinfeld when I was right. 16 the, or 17. The beginning part of it. Funny People. Yeah, you're holding the camera in that. Right? Yes, yes. Okay. Now, now, what point in your lives is that? Had Adam been on SNL yet? Or uh, that was when Adam and I lived together. It might have been 1990. Right. And Adam—that's just as he got. Uh, who drank my yeah, name? Adam was not on SNL. He was a couple of years from there, but he was on MTV, occasional DJing. Right. He was on Remote Control with, with Colin Quinn right, and Ken right, Ober, right. and he would go to Spring Break and everything. And, and so he had a little thing happening, but it was. Also going nowhere. He was going out for movies, not really getting anything. Right, right, right. And then he went to audition in uh, Chicago with a bunch of people. And I thought, he's not going to get Saturday Night Live. He doesn't do anything. <laughs> he mumbles on stage. He's so weird. And he doesn't do any impressions. Yeah, yeah. He, he's not a sketch guy. And then he came back and said, man, yeah, I got it. See, that's like where Lord is, is some sort of genius too, because I think he knew people would enjoy watching him. Like, like, yeah. when he does the, uh, the, uh, the Halloween costumes. Yeah. He's got the pickle. I'm a crazy pickle bunch. You know, I mean, I remember yeah, laughing at that. Yeah, I remember the food at that. He's just like, like, I'm laughing with this guy. Yeah. It's almost like he's saying, look, I, I don't belong to me. I don't belong here. The con yeah. worked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You love, well, you know, he did an impression of Andrew Shue at Melrose Place, but he would just go, I love you today. <laughs> uh, I remember when he did an Andrew Shaw brother. Yeah, I remember when he did Axl Rose. They did like the uh, a parody of like the like Live Aid and the Band Aid song, and it was about a uh, let the chickens free. It was for, like for, for free range chickens, and and yeah, suddenly he could do characters, right. and he did impressions, and he developed everything. You know what I was happy about with him as a fan of his? I was so happy when Vin, when vindicates him with all the critics who clearly just don't like, you know. Uh, Laughter. Maybe guys with a good arm. Or yeah. laughter. <laughs> and, uh, uh, <laughs> guys who could throw somebody out in a second. Uh, is what, when he killed at the concert for New York. Oh, opera, amazing. Man, amazing. I mean, destroyed. And you could see all those firemen and cops love him. And, and, and that explains, yeah, that's why. That's why he's famous. That's actually one of the most epic sets in right. the history of comedy. It's the highlight of the show. I mean, you can know? you imagine going out at Madison Square Garden Right after 
The yeah. rest of the show is The Who, know, yeah. David Bowie. Yeah, the Who, it's, the really and, and they're all, everyone, it's the best set they've ever done. Yeah. And you have to get up and do Opera Man in the middle of it, and you rip the house down. Right. Right. It was a funny, it was also written so funny. Right. I it was just, a really good one. I you weren't with them, were you? No, I was just at home. And The Who, maybe the best the thing Who I've ever seen. The Who was unbelievable. It was yeah. one of the greatest yeah. rock sets you've yeah, ever seen. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but I, I was on Howard at the time. I know Howard always ripped Sandler, and I and I I was I was oh, happy I, until know, Sandler oh, yeah. was on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did Adam do the show? Adam did finally oh, do the okay. show, and he, and, uh, and, and Howard was very interesting talking about oh, yeah. why he ripped on him because he wouldn't come on the show. He just got to go on the show. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I was I was happy that I had a forum uh, that a lot of people heard to go. I, you know, as a, I said, I was really ha- it made me feel good seeing that yeah. because it's like that's like like see this is people like this. <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, you yeah. Know. People have a very deep. Connection to him. Not everything is chariots know, of fire. You know, we because we, we, uh, we do our show Love for Netflix, yeah. and they always say, you know, any Adam Sandler movie, if we put it up in a country where it's never run, right, right, right. it instantly is like gigantic. <laughs> like you could <can laughs> really? just put the wedding singer up in Peru and it right. just explodes. I mean, yeah. he's really beloved around the well, world. Well, after Punch Drunk Love, the, like the French thought he was like Jerry Lewis, right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Punch Love is one of my favorite movies of all time. Really good, yeah. yeah. I cry you, hard. I cry for like 30 straight minutes at the end of that you movie. You told me the funny P.T. Anderson uh, thing about that movie, remember? You what told me, you said like he was just making a regular uh, romantic comedy. Like he, he didn't intend to make a quirky one. Yeah, I don't He's know when that so... changed, but he said he wanted to make a, a like a romantic comedy. But I think he's such a genius; it just comes it? out in a unique but he, way. But that's he wanted Adam to play it more straight. I no, no, I just think he thought. I, I, and again, maybe this wasn't isn't even true. Right. But he was trying to just make uh, you know a, a, a funny romantic comedy, and uh, but you know he right. has, he, I, he can't help it. He's not. He's able to do something that's not innovative <laughs> and, and daring and, and incredible. Um, but the funny thing is Adam used to say to me, he's like, you know, I'm doing you and my brother. <laughs> you? And I watch the movie and I see it and I think it's why it makes me cry because he knew me when I was a kid and, and I was terrible with women, just scared to death. And I see it. In the behavior, oh my goodness! Uh, especially the you know the moment when he's <laughs> talking about the DJ, yeah, 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 he's trying to tell the you know the woman the 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 story about this funny thing the DJ did, but he's <laughs> bombing. He's yeah. just bombing on the date, <laughs> trying to explain this joke, and, and and I thought that's how I sound to Adam every day because I would always live with him and, and to say yeah. uh, you know you got to watch Norm McDonald. Norm McDonald's so funny. I would try to tell him Norm jokes, and and Sandler would go. Give a fuck about Norm Macdonald. I'm trying to get famous. <laughs> I care about what anyone else is yeah, doing. Yeah, like the ambition. The ambition comes through too, right? Yeah. And we were like kids. But well, I thought you you'd be kind of hard. I think anybody looking back would see that they're. But I don't know. Maybe it's funny you get a chance to do that too. Like you look back and go, ooh, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, uh, but that was a weird moment because there were a bunch of people uh, who were so good. Yeah, yeah. like Sandler as a kid was so crazy funny before he was famous before anyone knew who he was just hanging out right it was I just it, insane he made you laugh i can yeah. i can make you uh, laugh. The, the great clip in the and funny people is to also when he sees himself as a kid and he's telling hurley he i got recognized yeah said, that is so oh, wow uh, that's got- so warm to watch like it like the and him looking at it yeah he, he had really- a video of the first time he was recognized and his friend happened to be videotaping yeah, on the yeah, street yeah. 
And you see Adam's reaction. That girl just said, uh, let a guy from uh, MTV. <laughs> no way. It's in Funny People. Yeah, he got a little awkward about it. It's Funny People. It's yeah. in Funny People? I don't yeah. remember that. It's in the sequence after he finds it's out after he's f- sick. Yeah, after Funny And he's watching all these clips of his life. Oh, my goodness. And all of that. What drives you, Artie? I'm interested in what... Why did you have... A, obviously, of the talent, well, were you... I like getting people to talk about, were you... Uh, I want my face on a bus. I want a movie. I want cash. Uh, I want ladies. Uh, I wanted my face on a milk cart. That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I hated home so much. Uh, no, I uh, no. I just you know, every, I mean, I think something we all have. You know, I just wanted to be you know rich and famous, sure, and uh, uh, I wanted to get out. Like there's the, the, the live version of growing up. Uh, Springsteen has a, has a and he, he says that thing at the end. It was bye bye New Jersey. We were airborne, and that's all I wanted to say one day. <laughs> wow. I wanted to get out of there. I mean, or, or what sure. was it about it? Is it just that hometown? I'm stifled here. Yeah, that provincial, never gonna leave. Uh, and I, when I, I just went home with my buddy to go to a funeral, and uh, you know, uh, it was so sad to me. I looked around my old neighborhood. And I was like, thank God, I am not here. Mm. And then I, I saw a couple of my buddies that are, you know, they basically look like me, only not the TV show. <laughs> no, you know, really sad. Uh, and it's funny not to bring up Springsteen, but there's so, you know, when he called me, uh, there are so many lyrics that I relate to of, about my girlfriend in high school, the song Racing in the Street, when he talks about the wrinkles under my baby's eyes and she cries herself to sleep at night. It's like so sad and dark, but it reminds me of my, my girlfriend because mm. I wanted her to come with me. I had these romantic notions of, let's get out of here. It's like, I want to be a comic and I, your father, I, my father's going to be like that. And I don't give a shit. Let's just go. And uh, she wouldn't go. She went to this lame college, and five days after she went to college, she met a guy she married six years later. Mm. Uh, and she's miserable now. And, um, you know... Uh, Do you think your father's passing and, and the tragedy of your father, was that a big reason to want to get out as well? It's like That, this is that where... added incentive, because now it was really life or death. I mean, we were looking at the... I said to my mom, I got a job at the port. Some of the local guys got me a job at the port. It's not, you don't find that in a newspaper. I made 70 grand a year. Uh, the first year I was down there when I was 21. And uh, I gave my mother a bunch of money. And it helped pay the bills. And she was tired. And, you know, and she, I said, Ma, you know, I, I, I want to pursue this dream of doing comedy. And, but I, I'll stay at the port. I said, if you want me to, because it's, this is, no one planned on this. And uh, she looked at me and said, yeah, you, you can't do that. You, uh, I, I'll, you know, I'll get two jobs. She wanted you to go full in. Yeah. My God, Artie, you have, that's amazing. That's the one story I can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> that's an amazing story, man. Yeah. And then, and then I know that that, <laughs> I know, I know. I'm sorry, man. It's beautiful. You're not, you're not going to tell me about the second season, now, right? <laughs> what? That's <laughs> 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 We'll hit pause, Art. We can talk through it. Sure. Can't believe you did that to him. <laughs> but it's a, it's a beautiful thing to have a, a mom like that. I think about my mom. My parents got divorced, and then. 
there, my mom uh, had a restaurant with my dad, and there was a bartender there, this guy named Rick Messina, and he left, and then he started a comedy club, Eastside Comedy Club. And then my mom was divorced. She didn't have any money, and she had to take a job working for him, seating people at a restaurant. <clears throat> no, not at a restaurant, at a comedy club. He opened a comedy club in the Hamptons, and my mom would seat people at the restaurant. Uh, I'm sorry, hit the club. Mm. And I would go all the time and I watched every show all summer. And it took me decades to realize that she only took that job for me. Oh my goodness. Like I didn't, I, cause I thought, what do you pay someone to seat people? Yeah. What could she have made? And she was like an upper middle class woman who was riding around in a, you know, in a Porsche and living, you know, very different life. Yeah, was it fifty bucks? Was it a hundred bucks to to seat people and for her to be exposed? Because she was very proud, and I loved when she had a job like as a waitress or a hostess at a comedy club. But I don't think she did at all. I thought that she thought her life had collapsed, and now I'm seating people at a comedy club. And it it really did take me forever to go. Oh, she just knew I wanted to go, whether that was conscious or unconscious. Yeah, like oh, this is an okay thing for me to do. Wow, Um, that's really interesting. You, I just told you for the first time that my ex wife worked at a comedy club. Remember? I didn't know that. Yeah, I I, I had forgotten to be honest. She worked at a comedy club. And that, I mean, this isn't nearly as moving as either of your stories, but I was just like, it made it that much easier. I felt like I knew someone. Mm-hmm. I did. Uh-huh. But like someone high up, like, <laughs> I don't know if you know this cocktail waitress. You got to give me some stage time. Really? And they did it. And then they said, call us in six months. And I was <laughs> devastated. <laughs> what club was it? It was the uh, Providence, Rhode Island, where I lost my virginity. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It is gone, ladies. You cannot <laughs> have it. Um, the it was called the Comedy Connection, I yeah. believe, in, in in Providence, and it was an old bank, and the green room was where the vault was. Like oh, the green wow. room was the vault, yeah. and I uh, remember the first time I went up there. They gave me three minutes, obviously as a favor mm-hmm. to my uh, then girlfriend. And there were like a lot of special needs people in the audience. <laughs> it was like a very yeah. risky room. Like yeah. I didn't have any material about that, but you were like, I don't want to offend anybody. Yeah. And you're scanning your act to make sure yeah. it's okay. I don't want you ever to say what their special needs were. Because it could be anything. In my mind, I'm thinking of so many things. One guy kept asking just needy lots people. of cocktail sauce. <laughs> <laughs> he just had a lot of special needs. How many shrimp is this guy going to eat? <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like if you see uh, any any people that you need to you know be sensitive of and you're mm-hmm. just starting, mm-hmm. you're like, oh boy, I don't know. I don't know. You get yeah. nervous. All my material back then was just about like sneezing though. <laughs> Literally my closer was about sneezing. I, I remember like, the other day that I used to go on stage – and I had cut out ads for the Oprah Winfrey show, and I would talk about how ridiculous the guests were. Oh, my goodness. Can you believe they're doing a show about this? Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. I literally had like – it was like a, like, a, like a desk piece on The Tonight Show. Wow. Yeah, that is. That's yeah. exactly – that's something they would have done on uh, Colbert. They still could. Yeah. They could look up. I had some, had some props. Now, but did, so you – how long were you dating her before she got the job – at a comedy club waitressing. Yeah, that's a great question. And I were you already remember. doing open mics? I had... Oh, that's a great question. The first time I did stand-up, I went to... Are you going out? 
If you see Artie, will you give him some love? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Val is, is the right person. <laughs> you know Val from the balloon. <laughs> you may know Val from a hot air balloon where I proposed. Um, I, the first time I did stand up, I rented out a room in a place called the Lyceum in Salem, Massachusetts. And I did what I wouldn't do now, which was I invited everyone I've ever known, all my family, all my friends. So the first appearance ever? The first time I ever did stand up. And I did 40 minutes. <laughs> Of new material, and I filmed it with three cameras. Oh I was God. like, "I'm going to make the audition tape that's going to launch my career." I love the complete misunderstanding yeah. of how all of it works. I know that's who you want. You want your friend Tom in the front row. <laughs> you need. You'll record the first show ever. Send it out. Yep. Six months, you're a star. You're a star. And I remember my friend Mark Fillion brought me up. And not only did I go up and do stand-up and act like I didn't know everyone in the room, he went up and was like, uh, just so everyone knows, the three cameras positioned here. He knows everyone in the room, too. They're all yeah. our friends. Uh, these are cameras for Peter Holmes. So please try to stay out of the way. They are for audition purposes. Like He was like very, very serious. Did you have and an then, opener? No. John, it was a, I made a hell gig. I just went up. And I was like, so I'm six foot six. I remember the bit I was like, Makes it uh, difficult for certain things, like uh, hiding. That was my first. That was my first joke. And I was like, and it's kind of similar to something I do now. I was like, if a burglar kicks in my door, because you have no real issues, you have yeah. to make up these manufactured issues, unlike Artie. Uh, and then I'd just be like, I just have to stand really still and hope it think I'm a statue of John Ritter. That was like my <laughs> yeah. opener. That's, not, that's that, not bad from day one. I didn't do it that well, though. I promise yeah. you. I. I, I I'm sure I Wait lost a, a lot of things. Where's the tape? I need to find it. it My parents don't give a shit, man. They, they, they'll toss it in the trash. Of 60 minutes by now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like Isn't that like, the worst? They've just recorded. We made all these things. We made Kerminator 2, we, which was a Kermit that we made a, ja- a leather jacket for. My mom sewed it, and he went around, and we, yeah. we were going to send it to America's Funniest Home Videos. That's just like Raiders of the Lost Ark was on yeah. TNT. That's gone. You didn't understand how any of it worked. That's why no. the show crashing makes sense. <laughs> It's a complete lack of understanding of the process of comedy. That's absolutely true. How are you feeling as the show's about to air? Hasn't aired yet. Yep, we have some sense, some sense people like it. Uh, critics. Critics like it. And uh, But so you're, you're, what, what are your expectations? I like the joke that we've been making, which is like, it's like you and I are lighting a firework. And it feels very much like it's my face on this firework. <laughs> it's either going to go up in the sky and be beautiful and uh, everybody's going to ooh and on, be happy, or it's going to ricochet off a closed window and kill a squirrel. <laughs> but you can't know. And that's a very unfamiliar So it must be a feeling. weird feeling. It is a weird I feeling. I felt that way directing the first time. Uh, really? When I did the 40-year-old version, I thought, yeah, if this doesn't work out, I'm, I, I won't be allowed to do this again. Yeah. Even for Crashing With You, you could get other acting jobs. You might be able to create a di- another show. Uh, the door doesn't slam shut tight. Yeah. Although sometimes it does get harder for people depending on how profile something that doesn't succeed is or how you fail. Like sometimes people fail so spectacularly yeah. that it actually creates big problems. And for other people, they just move on to something else. Right. But with a directing career – if you do a, a movie with a real budget and it bombs, yeah, for most people that door is closed permanently. It's all that cash. Yeah, yeah, I totally know what you mean. <laughs> oh, you made me think of something and then it just went away. 
I'm digesting. <laughs> I, you know, I, I was glad to have a talk show. This is going to sound weird, but to have a talk show that ended yeah. because I knew I was in such good company. That's yeah. what I was going to say. John Stewart, Johnny Carson's first late yeah. night show. All Joey things. Bishop, Regis. <laughs> Chevy Chase, <laughs> Magic John. <laughs> but there were a lot of people yeah. who I greatly admired. But you did two years, so that's show. not really like a, 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 a failure. Oh. It's just a two-year show. That's what I like to say, but you've been doing press with me, and people go like, Pete, tell me about the failure of your show, 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 show Chico and the boy. Because <laughs> yeah. it's supposed to last yeah. I'm like, for the rest of your life. I realized we just did Colbert. I just did Colbert. You were there. And uh, he's roughly at the number of episodes we did. Yeah. And if Colbert ended now, I think people – no, they'd probably call it a failure too. <laughs> they'd be like, yeah. oh, that was a failed experiment. So I think that's the standard we're being yeah. – measured against mm -hmm. but because it was so sketchy and non-topical i'm like we did a lot of episodes of something yeah it was difficult but doesn't exist anywhere to watch right now i know man i want to send people to it and we were saying we want to bug super pr guy matt lebeau master of the sizzling steak <laughs> to somehow get it up somewhere i know so that people can go watch it on youtube or somewhere well, I'd like to, Judd, you've been that guy for me so many times. I, I feel selfish even asking you to help with that because the, the stand-up special and all these things with HBO and you pushing for mm -hmm. me time and time again has met. Now I start crying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Val's back. Did you find him? I, I looked for him. No, Artie. He's okay? I just want to make sure he's okay. If that's all we... I'm sure he's uh, fine. But, um, Yeah. I understand the risk that, that you run. Do you, you don't still feel it, though. Like that's Not in the same way, because I feel like you're allowed to have three bombs before they kick you out of show business once you've had a few successes. Uh, they just lower your budget. Yep. And then by the third one, it's really cheap, and then you're done. <laughs> and then, then you just try to get jobs directing Super Bowl commercials. Yeah. What do you? Are you excited to see how this show I am. That's I'm very excited. Question, but. I, I'm very uh, hopeful the, to uh, have you lose your anonymity. Uh, for the rest of your life. <laughs> Do you think about that ever? Like, wow, this show, I, if it succeeds, I'm Sarah Jessica Parker. Well, it is. Do you ever think that? Because you're, you're easy to spot. You're not, you know, there are famous people that can slip by in a crowd. Someone's saying that Louis is able to do it. Maybe he has like an everyman look or yeah, something. Yeah. But then there are other people. Jim Carrey was one because he was tall. Adam Driver's like this. Yeah. Everyone sees him. So you well, it's like might the have that. Brothers, the, you know, the Squire Brothers are twins. Yeah. They're about. You know, thirty percent more famous because people just look at twins anyway. Yes, they're like, look, there's two of those. Yes, I'm the same way. They go like, look at that lumbering ogre. He's from that thing. <laughs> so it could happen. We're starting to feel it. Like Val and I went to lunch today, and there were those knuckleheads in there that I was laughing at. And then I was like, we might lose our ability to quietly eavesdrop on someone's conversation. But you're loud, so you're easy to spot because you're just cackling so loud, right? Yeah. This 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 design. We should wrap it up. Matt LeBeau, do you believe in God? <laughs> we were going to go do a concert now at the Trocadero in Philadelphia. Yeah. But what time are we supposed to be there? At six. For what time is the show? What? what? Oh, there's a meet and greet. No, no, they moved the meet and greet to after, so we have another hour. Okay. Oh. Already left. That's what you're saying. Yes. By a car, rail, or a plane? 
<laughs> we don't know. Yeah. He's tax. Yeah. For those of uh, you concerned that we're just letting Artie leave, he is in contact with us. And we're doing a show with him tonight. And we're doing a show with him tonight. But, but we should say uh, Artie is such a sweetheart and we've had the best time making crashing with him. He really is an open book uh, about what his journey has been right. and what it is. And that's, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and the game that we all play is let Artie know that he's so loved. I, I see you playing that, and I play that, and I see him believing it a lot of the time. But it's also scary because Artie, uh, because he has his struggles, you do want him to say, yeah, this is a moment. I really want to get my shit together. I'm going to get uh, healthier. I'm going to eat better and and take advantage of it. And you do feel his complete lack of interest in uh, switching Gears, right? Although he uh, didn't eat the sushi, he did not eat the sushi. <laughs> he didn't eat a bite of his sushi. See, consummate professional. Is it like, weird if I eat his sushi? <laughs> is that disrespectful? There's an enormous amount of very f- expensive sushi. This a is a of, normal sushi. That's a lot of. There's some toro on there. Premium pornography. <laughs> uh, but his work on the show really is masterful, and and, and uh, well, so we loved what he did on the first episode so much that he's on uh, several others after that. Yeah, and you guys have a natural chemistry uh i hate to say like the dark and the light but or the struggling and the oblivious yeah would that be the way to go yeah yeah yeah. uh but uh maybe the disillusion we joke that he's like the ghost of christmas future yeah but part, part of what we explore on the show is already uh seeking spirituality yeah and looking for something to hang on to and so we've worked with him and it's a real collaboration with Artie yeah. to have it be him but also a character that's not exactly him and and he's trying to figure it out on the show well that was something that you pushed me or or encouraged me to do which was to call Artie whenever we were like oh we're writing this thing about the struggle with addiction while you're on the road and i would write some fiction and you'd be like you should call Artie. <laughs> like, yeah. You would be like, why aren't you calling him? Yes. And then the lines that the critics point out, they're like, that line, this line, that line. I'm like, yeah, I called Artie and said, what does it feel like when you're tempted to relapse or whatever it was? So he's had a big hand in the show. Yeah. And, he's, and he really cares about it. Like mm-hmm. him doing the tour, him doing the press, him even doing this instead of eating that premium, premium. Sushi. We did uh, radio in Philly, MMR. In Philly, and then we did uh, Fox News in Philly, uh, and uh, Artie stumbles in, and then is so insanely funny and sharp wow. in this interview, and then does the exact same thing on uh, on this Fox News morning show, uh, but is also doing cocaine jokes, and they they seem quite shocked. I know <laughs> for uh, eight o'clock in the morning yeah. in Philadelphia. Well, they, one of the anchors was in trouble for saying something in front of some children. Well, there was an anchor. Uh, it, no, not the anchor. It was a correspondent out in the field. Oh. And he looks to Cam and he says, you, you know, before I move on, I just want to say I, I did an event the other day with a group of children and I made some comments that really were inappropriate. <laughs> and uh, so I just like to apologize to everyone who was there. It's a great group of kids. Yeah. And, yeah, I. Yeah, I really shouldn't have said that. I really shouldn't have said that. And, uh, but I apologize. And, you know, we had a great, great time that day and really enjoyed going back there. But yeah, I don't know what I was thinking there. I, and he kept yeah. apologizing, but didn't say what the, the line was that got him in trouble. 
And then on the air, we all asked the anchor of the morning news, what did he, what say? Did he say? And they, they all didn't know. They all turned white. They wouldn't say. They and wouldn't say. the anchor goes, I'm going to come. And then Artie goes, is that what he said? <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, it's, it's 7 a.m. on the news. Yeah, he got that through, I think. <laughs> and then he made a cocaine joke. So, <laughs> And Artie, also they were talking about Fifty Shades of gray, uh, darker, darker. Yeah, which uh, is just black. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Black. Uh, and he uh, and, <laughs> and someone who reviewed it, no, I like it and talked about how dirty it was. And it's way dirtier than the other one. And the anchor said, "Well, what do you mean? I mean, like, so they showed genitalia? Yeah, 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 yeah." <laughs> and then when I was like in HBO's crashing premiering February nineteenth. There's definitely genitalia. <laughs> I mean, he was just like, okay, so Jed, tell me about 40-year-old virgin, <laughs> which is literally what they did. Yeah. And then Jed was like, but to bring it back to crashing, the greatest U-turn in press exactly. you have I've to. ever seen. <laughs> we're not going to succeed if we're pushing uh, 2005's product. <laughs> DVD's still available. Uh, well, do we feel good? Is, is that? I feel like uh, a lot happened here. Yeah. Right. The whole time we were eating sushi, I don't know if people heard it. I was being quiet. It's a good quiet food. This is what we should be eating in movies, not popcorn. Yeah, we were we were, we were at Marimoto, Marimoto in Philadelphia. Thank you, Marimoto. Marimoto. I pronounce it right. Marimoto. 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 Oh, good. Marimoto. When he said it was wrong, you said it was right. He's the original Iron Chef. Oh, really? Yeah. I. Uh, wow. Oh, respect to always say son. Well, thank you, Judson. I actually do uh, call you, you. I do call you Judson, <laughs> yeah. which is from my family. My father calls me Peterson, which is because we saw Karate Kid, and my dad does an offensive voice when he does his. Oh, good. So I'm keeping it alive, and I'm so sorry to so many communities on this earth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Judd, will you say keep it crispy, and we'll wrap this up? Uh, keep it crispy. <laughs> Now leaving Nerdist.com. 